Hey, dealmakers, welcome to the show where it's all about financial freedom with real estate. Let's do this. You're listening to the Financial Freedom with Real Estate Investing podcast, hosted by Garrett Lynch and Michael Blanc, where we talk all about how you can achieve financial independence through apartment building investing. Whether you're just starting out or you want to scale your syndication business, this is the show for you. So let me ask you a question. What do you think is the ultimate real estate investing strategy? Now, we, of course, talk about apartment buildings and syndications, but is that really the best strategy? Is it possibly other strategies like wholesaling or turnkeys, the Burr method, short-term rentals? In this episode, we actually assembled a panel of experts who represent different types of real estate investing, and we're going to debate which one is the better strategy, and then you can decide what the better strategy is. Really excited about that. Wanted to give you a shout out to Slackadelic, who's left us a review on iTunes. Thanks, Michael and Garrett. I've been binge listening to your show since I stumbled upon it a few weeks ago. I like that you're staying current, especially given the rapid developments and change in sentiment in the marketplace. Keep it up with the awesome guests. Uh, thanks so much, Slackadelic. Appreciate it. If you do love the podcast, leave us a review on iTunes. I'd love to see your feedback as well. And want to give a shout out to our students who have done a deal and Sean Shirk, he listened to the podcast actually and has read the yellow book. And that was his inspiration to, to purchase a fourplex in East Hartford, Connecticut, valued at $220,000 with an FHA financing. And he's now living in one of the units. So he's house hacking, which is awesome. And Sean just jumped into real estate after realizing that passive income is a true way to wealth and freedom. And now he and others teach investors how to turn their hobby into business through proven scalable systems and marketing. So Sean was inspired by our podcast and the Yellow Book, and that's awesome. So congratulations about that. If you are looking for a mentor, you want to work with our team of syndication experts directly, the advantage of that is that you typically go bigger, faster. You're working with someone who expands your comfort zone, and you avoid some of the bigger mistakes. The average unit size that first deal makers make is about 50 units, and it takes them between 6 to 12 months to do their first syndication. They typically partner with others and join venture partners, and it's part of our system that we teach. So if that's interesting to you, go to themichaelblank.com forward slash mentor and just sign up for a call. Let's just have a conversation. Would love to have you. So it's really time to kind of resolve the controversy around what is the ideal real estate investment strategy, especially right now in this kind of environment. Should you invest in single-family rentals? Okay, so how, right? Is it is it turnkeys, the Burr method, wholesaling? There's so many different things out there, and it could be kind of confusing. It was to me in the beginning as well. Now, it's not as easy as black and white, as you'll see from this panel of experts, and we assembled some big hitters. You may recognize them on the show that represent these different kinds of real estate investing. This is a fun one. So let's get right into it. Welcome to the webinar this evening, where we have leading experts debate their top real estate investing techniques for 2023. Really excited about that. We have a panel of unbelievably successful real estate investors on here. And what you're going to learn today is you're going to be exposed to different types of real estate investment strategies. And we're going to talk about the pros and the cons in kind of debate format. And as we get through it, we do want to be a thorough, yeah, we're probably going to sling some, you know, some bad words on each other, but really what we want to do is we really want to educate you on the pros and cons of every strategy because every strategy has pros and cons and risks and challenges associated with them. So we're going to talk about those as well. And we're going to give you insights and secrets from these top real estate investors from different types of real estate strategies. So if you're first time exposed to us and you're on your webinars, my name is Michael Blanc. 
We are the host of the top investing podcast, Financial Freedom with Real Estate, also the authors of the best-selling book by the same name, Financial Freedom with Real Estate. That is, in fact, our mission, make you financial free with real estate. And we also practice what we preach. We own $350 million in real estate as well. With that, I will not be moderating because I would like to get into the fray. So we have a moderator, my partner at Nighthawk Equity, Garrett Lynch. What's going on, Garrett? What's going on, Michael? Hey, everyone. So we're going to get into this here. But before we do, I'm going to introduce each person, tell you a little bit about them so you know who is here debating. So on the next slide, we're going to talk about, first off, Hayato Hori. Hayato is the founder of Rocket Offer. He's done over 250 transactions and $10 million worth of sales, 15,000 plus leads generated in the last three years. He also built a software program that teaches others to wholesale deals to investors. His real estate strategy is wholesaling single-family houses. So wholesaling single-family houses. And we, we've got Kyle Stanley, and this is the fearless investor turning short-term rentals into passive income powerhouses. Kyle Stanley is a seasoned real estate investor, Airbnb guru, the host of the Fearless Investor podcast. He's considered a respected name in the investment community. His real estate strategy is Airbnb operations. Then we've got Michael Blanc. So he is transforming lives through multi-million dollar apartment investing mastery. Michael Blanc, and my business partner, is a top U.S. apartment investing expert who controls over $350 million in assets via Nighthawk Equity. His best-selling book, Financial Freedom with Real Estate Investing, and the coaching programs have helped over 10,000 students acquire over $1.5 billion worth of units in just five years. His real estate strategy is multifamily investing. Then we've got Chris Clothier, the turnkey real estate visionary, empowering investors with best industry practices, Chris Clothier manages sales and marketing processes for the REI Nation and is a voice for the company. He educates investors on the best practices in turnkey real estate and speaks at events nationwide. He's also a contributing columnist for Bigger Pockets. His real estate strategy is turnkey houses. And last, we have the real estate whiz fast tracking financial freedom with rental and flip mastery. Henry Washington is an author, entrepreneur, real estate investor with 70 plus rental units and house flips. He has achieved financial freedom fairly quickly. As the co-host of the Bigger Pockets podcast, his real estate strategy is fix and flip single family houses. So with that, guys, we are going to get into the opening statements for each person. And the question is, what is your strategy and why do you like it for 2023? We're going to kick this off with Kyle. Kyle, so what is what's your strategy? I mentioned it before, but why do you like it for 2023? All right. On the spot for the first one. I got it. Guys, <laughs> really excited to be here. Humbled to be here. This is an amazing group. And I got to tell you, short-term rentals, just like what Warren Buffett says, right? When everyone's running, that's when you start listening because everyone right now is running from short-term rentals, which means that there is more market share to have here in 2023 and beyond. and for me, I don't know about all of you, like I got the, if if you're here in as a panelist or as an attendee, you probably are looking for like, what are ways not only that I can invest and start creating passive income, but what are ways that I can offset my W-2 income? And one of the best strategies 
for that is cost segregation, accelerated cost segregation with the STR loophole, where I could up to cost seg accelerate that to about a third of what I pay for a property in year one. So think about this for a second. I buy a $600,000 STR property. I put in the right amount of time. I meet all the regulations for that. And I can cost like up to $200,000 in year one. That's amazing. And a lot of people are buying short-term rentals just for that. And then looking at the cash flow and saying, that's pretty cool too with accelerated cash flow. So that's why I'm excited about short-term rentals here in 2023. Awesome. Thank you, Kyle. So I'm going to kick it over. And guys, this is, it's going to be a controlled debate. Each speaker is going to have a set amount of time per section. And so I'm going to flip this now over to Hayato. Hayato, tell us, what is your strategy and why do you like it for 2023? Yeah. So my strategy is wholesaling real estate. And again, thank you guys so much for having me on this. I'm super humbled as well to be here. Just amazing panelists out here. And really the reason why I do like wholesaling going into 2023 is it's very risk averse. So whenever you're wholesaling properties, right, you have properties under contract and you're selling it to investors. And we've worked with a ton of institutional investors, also retail investors. We have a list of about 75,000 or so plus retail investors that are always looking to buy. And we had a ton of institutions, way more obviously last year, but even in 2023, there's some institutions still looking to buy. There's some funds that are looking to take advantage of the slowdown of the other institutions and looking to acquire more single family homes right now. And so we're looking to go ahead and provide them with more and more properties. They've gotten actually a little bit more loose on the criteria on the properties that they're obviously looking for because of the fact that you know rates are high, prices have slowly come down a little bit too. Rents have come down a little bit in some markets as well. And so for us, we're just looking to find the best deals for these people and also for the retail investors looking to get in when a lot of investors are a little bit scared and on the sidelines. So that's exactly why we do wholesaling right now and I still love to do it. All right. Thank you, Hayato. Let's kick it over to Michael. Michael, what is your strategy? Why do you like it for 2023? Our strategy is multifamily syndications and that really for apartment buildings, as small as two units, as high as big as, you know, two, 300 units. And the reason we like it is because in my experience and our years experience, it is the number one way to become financially with, with real estate in as little as 12 months. I've done a bunch of shenanigans, including some of the strategies here talked about, and they worked very well, um, but they did not lead me to financial freedom like apartments has done for dozens and hundreds of people. So I like it because of its power for financial freedom in a very short period of time. I like it because you don't need experience, and I like it because you don't need a million dollars in the bank because we're going to use other people's money for it. I like it specifically for 2023 because there is going to be some distress in the multifamily market of operators who are not operating to the best best degree, they're going to go to in the cash flow negative because of the rising interest rates and they can't afford certain caps, interest rate caps on their loans. And that is gonna create default situations, setting up for an amazing amount of opportunity. And I think it was someone, it was Kyle who was saying, when there's blood in the streets, when people are trying to get out of something, that's the time to get into it when it, and pay attention. It takes a lot of maturity, though, because you're trying to overcome fear and everybody else is, is, is fearful around it. So I've always liked multifamily, but I like it specifically this year for that reason. Thank you, Michael. Chris, you're up. Yeah, I am a big fan, obviously, of the turnkey real estate space. 
for several reasons. Number one, it is a very passive form of investing. There are more passive investors today than active investors. It's the fastest growing segment of, of the investment market. More people are getting involved due to the ability to invest passively, not, not just owning paper and not just investing in syndications, but also physically owning the assets, which is for a majority of the investors out there, they don't just want to own the paper, they want to own the asset as well. And then you have the simple fact that this year we're, we're well over 5 million units short of basic consumption. This has been going on for the past decade. So now that we have uh, the rising interest rates, you have the housing stops, we continue to go deeper and deeper in debt of not enough houses for basic consumption. That's the, the families that are developing each year that need a place to, to live. So they are unable to buy. No new units are being built. Rents we're going to see in many of the markets that we're in, that we concentrate in, and appreciating growing rent base and also an escalating rent as it begins to catch up with the value. So lastly, with technology and the fact that that you can do so much from sitting right here at our desks, you know, behind a computer screen, you can know every detail you need to know about a particular property, a location, a team that you're going to work with. It's easier than it's ever been to invest anywhere in the world from anywhere. So that's those are some of the the advantages of investing in turnkey real estate that I like and the reason why we are all in on the strategy, even in 2023. Thank you, Chris. And last but not least, Henry, what's your strategy and why do you like it for 2023? What's up, folks? Glad to be here. Look at these rock stars. Everybody's all handsome. Look at it's amazing. Look at this. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm doing fix and flips. I enjoy doing fix and flips. I enjoy it for several reasons. The first reason is similar to what, what Kyle and Michael were talking about. It's that there's a general consensus that flips don't work right now. And there's a lot of false narrative behind that. At the end of the day, as a real estate investor, I buy value, I add value, and then I monetize at the new highest value. Well, when you're buying value, we're typically not buying homes, we're buying situations. And unfortunately, tough financial times create more tough financial situations, which create more opportunities to buy at a discount. And yes, interest rates are higher, it's harder to find properties, all those things, right? But at the end of the day, if you can buy at a deeper discount, you can sell and make a profit. I'm making the same profits this year as I was making when the market was going through the roof, because I can buy a lot deeper this year than I could buy then. So the margins are the same, but I get more deal flow here in 2023 because there's less fish in the pond. People have gotten out of the house flipping business, leaving more opportunities for those who are in it, and that equals great profits. Now, that's the money side. The side that I truly enjoy about house flipping is I get to help solve one of the problems that you guys mentioned, which was inventory, right? And so typically I'm buying either non-performing or underperforming homes, meaning they're vacant or no one should be living in them. Sometimes people are, but they shouldn't be performing. So I get to add to the inventory. I get to create housing. I get to take something that no one should be living in or that's a blight and turn it into something beautiful. I enjoy driving down the street and seeing children playing in yards 
of houses that weren't a thing before. We're not pricing people out of these communities that we're renovating these houses in. And so I get to have a positive impact on my community while making money. I always like to say you should never make money off of a community without being of service to it. And so I get to I get to not only make money, but get the warm fuzzies with the house flips. Awesome. Henry, thanks so much. So what we're going to do in the next section, guys, is this is going to be the rebuttal section. So each person is going to be able to pick someone that they want to go and rebuttal against their strategy and tell them why their strategy is way better than theirs and (laughs) they're just way bigger success, et cetera. So I'm going to start with the person that I love knows to stir the pot the most, and that will be Michael. I was going to say, it's got to be Michael. (laughs) Michael. Who do you want to rebuttal? So can I pick on more than one person? I think you can. All right. I think I can. And then, but I do have what, five? Everybody's got five minutes. minutes, So each person's got five minutes to rebuttal. We're going to count down. So you you can pick multiple people. You got each person got five. This is great. Now, normally I don't, I don't like to serve the pot. I like anybody to get along. Okay. I really don't like conflict, (laughs) but this is now fun for me. I'm going to pick on Henry first. Come on. Because I flipped houses for three years and the problem was I made actually a lot of money with it. But the, the fundamental problem that I couldn't solve was it wasn't the passive income that I was looking for. It was when I wasn't buying and fixing and selling, then the money stopped flowing. The only people I saw turning that into passive income are people who were doing it at a very large scale. They were like flipping 100 houses and they had they built a large company and, and architected it so that over time, they weren't involved in the operations. And I just looked at these operations and they're just unbelievably large and complex. And it didn't just didn't appeal to me. And, and so the question, to, that's not a rebuttal, the question to you is, how do you see fix and flips getting you closer? I mean, I don't know if you want financial freedom, but, but how can it lead to passive or can it lead to passive income or will it never lead to passive income, Henry? Yeah, you make a great point. And I'm not even going to argue that point. I don't flip houses for passive income, right? Oh. I don't. I would argue that there's not one of us that is talking about a strategy that is truly passive, right? Unless we're talking about investing in a syndication and just throwing your money at it and getting a return, it's not passive. We all have someone to manage or something to manage. Right. So I think it's a myth that real estate investing is passive. So I just want to put that out there in general. The second part about it. Yeah. Flipping houses is in no way, shape, form or fashion passive. That's not why I do it. I do it a because, yes, you can make great money again. But I also do it for the for I feel like I'm I'm doing my part to help with the, the housing crisis in my local community. Now, I think just real estate investing needs a reframe because it's going to require some level of management. Now, it can be passive in the fashion that if you hire a team, right? like I just hired a project manager, and this is, and he's been at it for a month, so, so bear with me. But this is the least I've had to visit my properties and have, a, you know, and have that kind of an impact on, on my business. And so I'm now getting to see what it's like working on the business instead of in the business. And so I think if you design the right team, you can have a house flipping operation that that is more passive, but it just it just changes your level of involvement to now instead of managing your properties, you're managing your team. And so no, I I don't have a rebuttal for you. I don't think you should get into flipping houses for passive income. I think you should get into flipping houses for making the capital so that you can invest in some other form of real estate that can be passive. Yeah, that's a good argument. Henry, and there's a cash producing business. And then a lot of people just invest in something else that is, in yeah. fact, a passive income. That's a good point. Uh, Chris, 
turnkeys. I like turnkeys better. I kind of kind of associate them with the Burr method to some degree, but more landlording, you know, just building up your own portfolio. I like how it's passive. However, I've I've had heard very mixed reviews on turnkeys because it's you're so dependent on the property manager. And when that house is vacant for one or two months, it wipes out your all of your profits. And the, the second problem I see with it is it's hard to scale, right? How do I actually scale? Unless I have a lot of money, how do I scale a portfolio to the point where it actually is generating passive income? So that's what I find a little bit challenging on the turnkey side. What, what are your thoughts about that? Well, I'll tell you, I think you took it easy on me with your coming at me there. I, I was expecting you to come a lot heavier than that because this, and I'll do it for everybody on the call, that <laughs> turnkey real estate has a has a horrible reputation in some regards and better in others, but it has a poor reputation for one reason and one reason only. And that is that the, the word itself, it's just a marketing word. I, of course, I, and I laugh about this all the time, I have to use it. It is, it's a great marketing term. It does kind of encapsulate what we do. But the the problem is that anybody, and I mean anybody, can can attach it to their marketing, whatever they're saying, use the word. It's guaranteed to generate more eyeballs than what they're currently doing. And I don't mean that as a knock. I just mean that as soon as you throw it out there, it kind of, it, it, I don't know, it's like catnip for people. It just, it it attracts people in. The problem with that is that there's a lot of bad actors in any industry. So let's let me say that right off the top. And there's no defined standards. And so a company like myself that I'm going to tell you, of course, I'm going to tell you as I'm standing here that I've been at this for two decades. We're managing a $2 billion portfolio of almost 8,000 single family units across the Southeast. And I'm super proud of what we do and how we do. And I think it, it is to Henry's point a few minutes ago. I loved what you said about one thing you said that there's always someone to manage. So you're, you're right. I believe it's the most passive way to invest. Look at single family investing. That's really what it is. It's it's buying single family homes generally in other areas as passively as you can. Yep. Let's talk like turnkey out of it. That's what it really is. Time's up. Time's, Time's up. up. Ding, 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 ding. Just getting warm. All right. Up. Sorry, guys. There's too much too much rambling happening. But some oh, good hey. Points. hey now. Some good points. Some Water good points. Guys, I'm trying to listen, I'm trying to drum this up a little bit. I want to get a little bit more reaction here. So we're going to start with Kyle. Kyle, who are you going to go after here? I want to go after Hayato. Hayato, I know a lot of wholesalers, man. All of them lost their buyers this last year. Mm-hmm. And their buyers, even if it was a deal, just figured by the time they renovate that property, it's not going to be a deal anymore. So I don't know. I don't, I don't see wholesaling being the thing for 2023 because if you don't have any buyers, you just have a lot of leads that are going to disappear. No, that's a great point. And you know, I'm going to start crying because that's true. <laughs> well, actually, with that too, and Chris, what Chris was saying too, I feel like if Turnkey has a bad reputation, Wholesale has like just the yes. worst reputation <laughs> in real estate. <laughs> I think everyone can agree, like it has the worst reputation. And so going into it, here is kind of my rebuttals on those things for wholesalers. And I was actually one of them. So by no means was I perfect, but when you start out wholesaling, a lot of people here, and the reason why I started too was you hear you don't really need any money to get started. You hear all you need to do is flip a contract. That's what you need to do. And that's what people tell you. And oh, simple. It somewhat is correct. I mean, yeah, you you flip a contract, but 
people don't talk about the marketing costs that go in there. People don't talk about the leads that you actually have to nurture, right? And and go through that entire process. And so I think a lot of people, when they do go in, the biggest thing, the biggest issue in wholesaling is people don't know how to analyze deals. When you flip properties, when you look to value, add and invest in properties, you start to think about it as, okay, this is my money going in there. I need to be conservative with the numbers and that's why I can offer this much. But wholesalers typically don't think that way. They say, okay, I think I can just make this much on this because I have a feeling the ARV is going to be this much and, and kind of guesstimate what <laughs> I have a feeling. For, right? <laughs> <laughs> and that's the big problem because then you give it to an investor and they're like, well, that's not what I want. Like, this is not exactly what I want. And to go into your point, Kyle, really, I think, yes, when the market shifted, big hedge funds did actually stop buying. There are some institutions that stopped buying. A lot of people slowed down. And I think that just was across the board. I mean, even me personally buying properties, I took a second look at the properties I was buying and I had to, and I'm sure everyone in this panel was in the same boat. You have to kind of, when the market shifts, you kind of have to change and pivot around it. And so how we did it was we worked with institutions that were still buying. Some of them actually were overseas buyers as well, overseas hedge funds that were looking to buy properties that weren't affected as much as the US economy. And they're looking to purchase properties. One of them was a public company in Japan. They're looking to buy single family homes and they sell it to investors in Japan, turnkey. And so those are companies that we started working with a lot. We work with a ton of institutional investors looking to buy you know 20 plus properties per month. And Again, there were others though too that were looking to buy properties that were retail investors just like you and I that are always actively looking to buy, but their buy box changed. So for us, it's really important to understand, okay, what are the investors actually looking at? What cap rates are they looking at now? What rents are they looking at now? How are they actually underwriting the deals? And that's kind of how we were able to pivot, adjust, and really figure out what we actually needed to source in order to sell it to an investor and have a really, really high close rate. Because if you're just shooting leads going at it with no sight of who to sell the property to, then you're just shooting blanks into marketing and you're really just spending money for no reason. So that's what we really, really did. We wanted Kyle, to reverse that. Hmm. Kyle, do you have anything else to say to that? I mean, that all sounds right. And the way it sounds to me like is you've got new buyers and you reevaluated the buy box of everyone. And it sounded like the word passive probably is not in that, right? Like you're having to get way back into your business and doing a lot of work, right? Right. Right. I don't think, I, I don't really consider real estate passive entirely anyway. Just like Henry's mentioned, I think there's always an element to real estate and any business in general where you actually have to be involved, whether it's a decision you have to make, whether it's <laughs> managing people or properties. I think there is an element where you have to be involved no matter what. There's not a strategy where we can just not spend money and make a bunch of money and not have to do anything. I thought that was wholesaling. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's called syndication. Like we, get, we, get, we get equity just putting, for putting the deal together. So theoretically, you don't have to put your own money in. You actually get a cash flow stream from that. But I agree with you. There's, not, there's no, no actually anything that's completely passive. But it's definitely something that generates passive income while you're doing the active activity. And that's really what I miss in some of the other strategies represented here. Oh, I, I got something for you later, Michael. Yeah. Let's let's flip it over to Henry. <laughs> let's flip it over to Henry. Henry, why don't you ah. jump in the ring here? Go after right. whoever you like here. All right. I got questions for Kyle and I got questions for Michael because y'all are on the two real estate investing hot seats for 2023. All right, Kyle. Like, let's be real. Airbnb, 
it was great. It was a gold rush. You buy a property, you're making 50, 60, 70% cash on cash return. That's awesome. All that crap's gone out the window now, right? You're getting like 10, 15% like the rest of us. <laughs> like, are you, and, <laughs> but, you, but, but you're going and buying a $600,000, $700,000 house where I'm buying like $150,000 house, right? So my beef with Airbnb is a lot of these operators get into it. They buy something that only works with Airbnb as the strategy. And then when they can't produce the cash flow, they're stuck holding the bag on this very expensive property. What do you have to say about that? Yeah, brother. And by the way, I was going to rebuttal you, but you just came out with like a teddy bear. And I was like, I can't be mean to this guy. So, <laughs> that was my tactic. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yes, that's what everyone else did. And when you look at people like Shelby Church posting these videos on YouTube and being like, I bought a $2 million in Palm Springs and I lost money. Like, what are you doing? Why are you buying a $2 million house? You're literally pigeonholing yourself into one exit strategy. And that's not my game. My game is my first Airbnb I ever bought cost me $189,000. It is now worth about $300,000 today. My mortgage on that is $1,100. Last month, I did $5,000 of gross revenue on that property. So I'm still netting close to $2,500 on a bad month, $3,000 on a good month at that property. Just like any exit strategy, right? Like we're going to have times when everyone's fat and happy. And then we're going to have times where it's like, hey, we got to figure this stuff out. So for me, I went into Airbnb for two reasons. One, I wanted to create accelerated cash flow because yes, in 2019, when I jumped in, like it was, hey, if you can get this place for $1,000 a rent, do it on Airbnb and you're going to make $3,000. It's a no brainer. But the other side of it was, hey, I can do this with other people's properties without owning the property. And my exit strategy on that now for exiting the property is very simple. I can either end a lease or if I'm managing that for someone else, that's their issue to deal with because I'm only getting paid a percentage for managing the property. So that's where most of my portfolio is. And let's be completely honest. I went from 70 properties and now we're down to 50 back up to 55 because we decided that we were going to get rid of some of those underperforming properties properties. And really just like what Hayota said was like, we have to redefine our buy box. We have to redefine what we're going into. And so it took us getting rid of 20% of the underperforming to make room for 20% of the higher performing. And now I've got properties that are literally doing thousand dollars a night in July. And that's the big thing is like, you can't win today with a basic two bedroom, one bath on Airbnb. It has to be unique. It has to be different. And I'd much rather use someone else's risk that's purchased that property to cash flow at that property, build up cash flow, now go buy those two hundred, three hundred, four hundred thousand dollar homes that are going to create passive cash flow for me. And guys, guess what? I do long term rentals too. Like it's not just Airbnb. I'm going to diversify wherever that deal leads me to go. Great, Henry. Well, what do you got for Michael? I want to hear that too. Oh, I, I, yeah, yeah, Michael. Michael's next on my list, man. Look, these apartment syndicators you guys are you were buying up the whole world in 2020 through 2022 and you were underwriting these deals with two and a half to four percent interest rates and they were cash flow monsters and we were overpaying for properties and that's fantastic and then oops those three-year adjustable rate mortgages are now due and you can't cash flow at eight and a half eight and a quarter percent interest you know, so these companies, you've got people out here doing capital calls when they were supposed to be paying their investors. And so now they're asking for more money. How are you addressing that for your investors and making sure that 
you know, you're not putting investors' monies in, into, into deals that aren't going to work. If you're interested in passively investing in multifamily syndications, we'd love to hear from you. Go to NighthawkEquity.com, click the join button and join our investment club. Fill out a short form and then you can have a call with us and we'd be happy to share with you some of our upcoming investment opportunities we have. That's NighthawkEquity.com. Talk to you soon. Well, first of all, a lot of those guys were idiots. There was a, <laughs> there was a, a someone who lost 3,200 units in Houston. I think someone put it in the chat right now. And you, when you dig deeper, it was an 80% loan-to-value loan, fairly high leverage. They were apparently poor operators, probably due to the fact they had no cash flow because it was 80%. And then they didn't get a cap, an interest rate cap, none. So the, the interest rate floated from 4% to 8%. So they've been cash flow negative for a while. And that's why, and then I'm sure they tried to do a capital call. And all the investors said, no, I'm not putting money in that thing. Okay. And so that's just stupid right there. I mean, there's just stupid people out there. I'm sure there's stupid people who buy turnkeys. There's stupid people who buy Airbnb and don't underwrite wholesales. Okay. And these are just people who are, they're either, they're uneducated or they're just aggressive. I mean, I think you can lose money in, in any real estate strategy if you're stupid and aggressive and not uneducated. I think that's, I think that's really my rebuttal for, for that. On the other hand, someone is picking up that 3,200 units. It's a little bit too big for us, but someone is buying that thing for pennies on the dollar. And we're going to see more of that. We're going to see more of that. The, the better operators, while they may be doing capital calls to extend the runway of their deals, that may be the case. And you're right about that. We're affected by that as well. We actually did our first capital call this week. And we don't, we're not doing capital calls for all of our deals, but some deals may require extra capital to extend the runway. The point is we can extend the runway and get over this hump and then sell or refinance when, when, we, when we can. So I think really that the, the lesson is don't be stupid, right? Get, get, get educated, maybe have someone look over your shoulder and you want to get deals done, but you don't want to be aggressive. Great. So that is, that is time. Thanks for opening that door, Henry. That's, that's great stuff. Chris, who do you want to go after right now? Well, the only two types of real estate. No, the only, the only one I haven't done is the Airbnb. I've stayed in a few and have had good and bad experiences. I've had three bad and two good. Were they Kyle's? Hey, hey, hey. (laughs) They weren't yours. They weren't yours. But it's, it's, it's made me shy away from wanting to do it. I, I will say that when, I, when we're talking about wholesaling, so one of the things that one of the reasons why I don't I don't do wholesaling, why I don't come back to it anymore, tip my hat to those that do, because we buy from wholesalers. But the thing I hated, I hated that's a strong word. The thing I did not like about wholesaling was I put a lot of effort into it, man. I, there was a, it took a lot of time, and I loved I loved getting the check when it was over, but when I got the check, it was done. That was, you know, whatever that address was, I made my money. It's over. Same thing with, with doing fix and flips. And believe me, I loved doing fix and flips until I found myself upside down by a lot of money on one with just one wrong piece of information from my partner. But it was, it was vital. It was, the, it was the value when we were done. So, you know, uh, ARV, yeah, that's a ARV was big. So I'm kind of, you know, I guess I'm I'm not necessarily attacking. I'm just kind of attacking that I don't wholesale anymore because I have no money. Like when I'm done, I'm done. I, I don't make any more from it. Same thing on the on the fix and flip side. You know, I guess I'm talking more as an operator right now. The thing I love most about Turnkey is that I build a relationship with somebody. I get to build it long term 
because I manage the property. Once I sell it, I'm now managing that asset for that investor. It's another income stream for us. It's a chance to build a relationship. That's what I like about it the most. I will say one more thing, and it comes to on the syndication side. And I know I'm not like attacking one guy, like maybe y'all really want me to, but I'll just say that I have, I've invested in syndications one time. And I was probably the dummy that didn't do enough information digging on the front end, but I didn't like the fact that I wasn't in control. I didn't like the fact that I couldn't exit when I wanted to exit. I had another opportunity. I couldn't exit without penalty. And I didn't have like, like unlike an asset, I didn't have any feedback on what the heck was going on operating, you know, what, what was, what was happening with the, with the syndicated units, what was, you know, kind of the status was. So I really, I think that the thing that, that I, you know, if I was attacking anything, the things I've disliked about some of the other stuff, and I've done just about everything except for the Airbnb was that I wanted assets and I wanted something I could hold and have and feel. And that's the thing I just don't like about the other three is that there's no, there is no asset that I'm holding on to long-term. Once I've done it, I've done it. I get it. And so, you know what I like, what helps me with that when I sell a house and it's gone, see what I, what, what I need you to do is like me and Hayoto, we just, we just going to keep the check stuff. So yeah, when, yeah. You, when you miss that house, you just, you just look at that direct deposit. And, and, and go, oh, and, so bad. And you're going to keep your, uh, (laughs) what about taxes? No one's talking about that. I love taxes. I love taxes. (laughs) That's why my exit chat, that's why my exit chat is the best. I don't, I don't pay any. So I have to, all this depreciation, you know? Hey, I'm, I'm telling you, any of you that are going to hold on to one house this year, you got to hold on to it, turn into an Airbnb and do the str loophole and cost seg that puppy it's going to take some active work you have to hit some minimums you have to be 100 hours of work in the property you have to host at least two guests for the year but talking about a 500 600,000 property potentially depreciating and cost segging up to six figures or more of or like $200,000 i should say to of that that income against your w2 or against your active income and yeah. especially as a active real estate investor, like you get to really accelerate that. And that's, that's why I love it. I think Chris would be in the best position to try that because you have such a large portfolio. It wouldn't take much simply go, Oh, let's try this. Well, let me talk to Kyle and see if I can, you know, 10 X my cash flow. Well, and Michael, but like take five, like if you have a 50 unit apartment complex, take five of those units and let's say they were getting $1,200. What if you can get $1,800 on those five units? What does that do to your NOI? About, we've talked about it. We, we have to self-manage for that. We're not, we're not self-managed yet, but we have right. talked about it. But yeah. no property manager will do it. They're like, oh, that's a specialty. I don't do that. That's way too complicated. We'll keep it simple. So, But when we self-manage one day, that's probably something what we'll, what we'll do. Unlike Chris, who doesn't want to try new things. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I talked to, real quickly, I talked to an investor today. He's going he's gonna to 1031 exchange out of three houses in Dallas. And he's buying a unit in Hawaii to use as an Airbnb. And then now for his travel to it, for setting up, I mean, he's doing exactly what you're talking about there, yep. there, Kyle. I'm not supposed to say good things about the other stuff, but uh, that was a good story. Come on, we're going, we're going the other direction, guys. Okay. <laughs> when they see a good thing, they know it's a good thing. Come on, I'm going to flip blood. this. I'm going to flip this over. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to sleep here. Let's go to, let's go to Hayato. Yeah, so is anyone out here doing something that you're like, man, why do you do that? Well, actually, I wanted to 
touch base on like what Chris was saying and why, why like wholesalers and like fix and flippers sell the property and not keep them. So for me, I actually, my first property, I was mentioning this right before the, the meeting here, but I bought my first property. It was a turnkey property and I put 20 grand down and I was just out of college and I was like, this is awesome. I'm going to get cap, you know, passive income. This is great. I'm going to get 200 bucks a month. Like this is, this is awesome. I'm going to get like 10 of these. I'm going to just travel and Vietnam or whatever, and just live my life quickly realized that, okay, there's maintenance that goes into, you know, you know, properties and, and for turnkey properties, the whole reason you go turnkey is that you don't get maintenance and whatnot. Right. So if you go with a good provider, I don't think you're going to run into that much of an issue there. But the issue was I put 20 grand that I had in there and then I was making 200 bucks a month. And I was like, man, I can't, I can't retire off this stuff. Like I, I love 200 bucks a month, but I cannot like I, I still need to work at my W2 job and couldn't get out of it. Then I was looking at different ways and I think fixing and flipping and also wholesaling, the reason why you're able to go ahead and accelerate the process of getting out of your W2 job and if that's what you want to do is because you're able to create that active income. You're able to get, you know, ten, fifteen thousand dollars sometimes on a wholesale deal, 7,500 bucks, depending on the market you're in, right? To cash that out be able to do it again over and over again. And with wholesaling, you can typically get in and out of a deal within like 30, 45 days. If you know which investor you need to go ahead and sell to, some people can close in, you know, I know, I know REI Nation that you guys can close super quick. So I love you guys, but <laughs> there's definitely like areas where you want to go ahead and make sure, okay, can I sell this thing for quickly? Can I make money? And can I actually get out of my job as soon as possible? Wholesaling, fix and flipping, I think is a great way that you can actually do that. Without and with wholesaling with as minimal risk as you can possibly get into real estate. So that's why I decided to jump in there. That's why I decided to go in there. But I do have a quick question for the short term rental side, actually, for you, Kyle, in terms of how do you see yourself competing with hotels that are coming up with new experiences and with short term, you know, with short term real estate or yeah, short term investing, you need to be able to compete with people who have deep wallets and big capital who have consistency throughout. I think Chris mentioned too, but when you go to an Airbnb, sometimes you get exactly what you thought it would be. Sometimes you go in there and you're like, what the hell is this? <laughs> and it's not consistent, whereas a hotel is. And so I'm curious as to like how you're able to compete with these big, big hotel chains that are doing more and more experiences that smaller investors are going to have difficult times competing with yeah short answer i don't reason being is a the markets i'm playing in central california the hotels in this area are not those kinds of hotels and then the other side of it too is that's not my avatar so like when i'm going to a hotel i'm going with my wife and i might bring along my kid maybe a second kid but that's about all i can cram in there right Whereas with an Airbnb, I got a three or four bedroom. I'm bringing not only my kids, I'm bringing their friends, I'm bringing aunts and uncles, and we're cramming in, we're cramming 12 people into a three or four bedroom. And we're, we're, you know, saving money to try to be in a place that we're, we're doing something right. We're going to Disney world or we're going to Yosemite. And that's why I'm staying in an Airbnb. Plus I want to be able to cook with the family. So it's just a lot of people want to combine the two and compare the two, but really it's two really different avatars. Yes, they're both traveling. Yes, it's a hospitality industry, but one's traveling with a group and wanting to save some cash while the other one is typically traveling 
in a small group and the hotel might make more sense if they don't care about not having a kitchen. So that's my cool. two cents on that. Thanks for that. I Henry messaged me. He's got one more thing he wants to say to Chris. What you got. <laughs> Chris, you thought you you thought you got off light. I'm like, yeah, this is- <laughs> no, I just I just wanted to know, like, as a turnkey operator, do you guys like have the same spec sheet for every property that you give to your potential investors? Because it seems like every deal that a turnkey provider puts out there produces like a 10% cash on cash return. And, you know, it's instant cash flow from day one. And it's all gravy. And so like, it just it's so hard for me to believe that there's just I could just like, why am I working so hard if I can just go buy a turnkey rental that's going to give me 10% cash on cash return and give me $500 net cash flow a month? So, no. Like, I, <laughs> I wish I was producing a 10% cash on cash return, but I'm not. We're not. Okay, so I don't have a lot of time. Look, the reality is that, and it was kind of interesting because I was going to say the same thing over to Michael, ask us, ask like a question. Henry, you know, for those of us that are providing some form of of service that's ongoing, you know, how do we pick? How do how do we find good operators, the right ones? You know, because you brought up something that it's been the it's been the the real Achilles heel for the word turnkey is that it's too good to be true. I mean, the numbers look amazing, and I see it all. I'm not here to talk about anybody else, but I'm just saying the industry. When I said earlier, it's done it to itself. The industry has promoted itself as this, you know, the the answer. You know, Michael mentioned it earlier. It's it's like the the get rich safely as quickly as possible, financial freedom. The I mean, all these different. It's it's touted itself as being able to do that with these massive outsized returns and no risk, and it's just not true. I mean, this is it's still buying a single family home remotely in most cases and passively. So I'm just, I guess it's. I can't get that. As soon as you said that, I, I mean, I perked up. I was like, man, where's 10? I would invest in that. I do invest passively. And so it's the same thing, Michael, when I asked earlier, I know we're timed up, but I was asking the same thing. Like I had a bad operator, which soured me on doing another syndication, but I'm not dumb. I know I should be doing it. I know that I should be touching different, you know, all kinds of different things. And I, as, as much as I'm talking about, I said something about wholesaling earlier and even fixing and flipping. The reality is that REI Nation, we're doing it all right now. I mean, we got houses that we can't sell to investors. We got we buy them early and we realize we can sell this to a whole, we can wholesale it quickly for a small profit. We're doing exactly what, what you're doing. Same thing on the on the other side. I put houses on MLS, they sell to, to retail to an investor. It's not ideal because we don't manage it on the back end, but the only thing I won't do is is Airbnb. But other than that, <laughs> all right, guys, I gotta I gotta interject here. Thanks so much, Chris. That was some good insight. So we're going to go right now into closing statements. Each person is going to have two minutes to basically state their case as to why they still believe that what they're doing is the best strategy out there. So I'm going to start with Kyle. Awesome. Yeah. You know, I already talked about the STR loophole for cost seg taxes. I've talked about the accelerated cash flow. even called Michael out there and said that if you just even do a few units, your NOI goes up and the property's value goes up, right? But the two things that people don't really talk about when it comes to short-term rentals, number one, the biggest misconception is that short-term rentals get beat up. And guys, I'm a landlord. 
And I will tell you, I've turned two of my short-term rentals into long-term renters. And I have looked for long-term renters that want to do short-term rentals in my house because I've had the bad experiences. I've had the tenant, the long-term tenant who burns down the house. I've heard the long had the long-term tenant that beats up all the walls. And I don't know about that until the lease is up. With short-term rentals, the operator knows when the cleaner goes in there and we get it taken care of. And oh, by the way, if you're running on Airbnb, Airbnb charges the guest for that. You don't have to pay for it yourself. So that's number one. Number two is that I've created a business not knowing I ever had the option to create a business. I created a solution in Fresno, California that all these investors had no idea that Airbnbs worked. And suddenly before I knew it, I'm running four or five Airbnbs and I'm getting calls from, hey, I heard you're the Airbnb guy in town. I'm like, yeah, well, maybe I can coach you. I don't know. Turns out I can manage those properties and I can actually create another stream of income. And I've created jobs for more than 20 people here in my town and great experiences for people that are tired of the bad rundown hotels in our area. So there's opportunities when you open up this door to your real estate portfolio. Awesome. Thank you, Kyle. We're going to flip it over to Hayato. You got two minutes. Cool. Well, I guess for my closing remarks, I would first say like, there's all these real estate investing strategies, they all work. I think it really depends on what your situation is and how you want to approach it. For me, like I had to go into wholesaling again, because I couldn't get out of the W2 income job that I had. And I wanted to build a business and start that up as soon as possible with the least amount of capital. And that was wholesaling for me. And so that's why I started to do so. And when I started making more and more connections and relationships with investors and institutional investors, eventually after two, three years of doing it, I think that's when consistency really kicked in for our business. We're able to do you know, 15, 20 properties a month at least because these guys have such deep wallets and they have the cash to deploy them. But I didn't initially think that we're going to get here, but I saw what resources I had in initially when I started out, I knew that I wanted to get out of the W2 income job. And that's when I was like, okay, I need cash quickly. And the best way to do that, in my opinion, was wholesaling. Now there's a ton of stuff I learned. Again, you need to learn how to analyze deals, really understand how investors actually underwrite their deals. I think that's the most important part of being a wholesaler. and really try and see if you can actually help a seller in distress because that's another part of it too. Some of these sellers can't sell deals on the MLS because they want to sell it as is and it's just destroyed. And and when you come in as a wholesaler, you're providing them a solution and that's what you're really doing. And so to be able to be the solution plus have an investor at the back end who actually can make a profit of it, I think that's just a beautiful way to make money. And so that's why we do what we do. And that's my closing remarks on why I like cool. this. Thanks, Hayato. We're going to flip it down to Henry. Henry, what you got for closing remarks for us? Couldn't agree more with what you said. The, the, the super secret sauce to real estate investing is every single one of these strategies works, right? But what's happened in 2023 is the correction or return to normal has forced us all to be good operators again, right? The market was crazy and everybody could make money doing anything. And it was awesome for about a year, right? Now it's not as awesome. Now you have to be really good at your job, right? So you got to focus yourself on education if you want to be successful in any strategy. I do the fix and flips, but it's not all that I do. I focus on the lowest common denominator in real estate investing. The lowest common denominator in real estate investing is a good deal. Without a good deal, none of these strategies work. So if you can focus on learning what good deals look like in your market, and you can focus on finding those good deals, then you can choose 
any one of these exit strategies that fits your personal preference, that fits your financial situation. And you can monetize it that way. The truth of the matter is I fix and flip, I buy and hold, I wholesale, I Airbnb. I do all of them because I can, because the deals that I buy have multiple exit strategies and I pick the one that fits my financial situation or my contractor situation the best. That's the super secret sauce. So fix and flipping works just like all these other strategies work. If you want to do it, you can, but you can't do it if you don't know how to find and buy good deals. Great. Chris, give us some remarks. Yeah. You guys have have brought the fire here with these closing statements. Just some really good stuff right there already. I'm a big fan of what's developed over the last 10 to 15 years, and that's the ability to buy real estate remotely, be able to buy it in other markets, be able to have a packaged deal called turnkey. That's That's kind of the word that's growing out of it, that where you're able to invest in a market that you want to invest in regardless of where you live and do it for the right reasons. If I still believe that that being as many units as we are behind and some markets are better off than others, some markets have a lot of runway for the rents to continue to escalate without getting out of hand and, and forcing vacancy, that type of thing. So I think that the right market with the right operator, there's that word, is is truly This is a great strategy that will work with some investors as some part of their portfolio. The last thing I was going to add just really quickly, and of course, I agree with what everyone said on every one of these strategies or those that that we all have used and have focused in on. I just want to say one thing real quick about something Kyle said. That loophole that you're talking about, I'm able to take advantage of it already because I'm a full-time real estate investor, but I just learned tonight from you about that loophole for Airbnb, and that is... That's a massive, massive game changer. It's only, I believe it's only going to be there until 2025. Am I correct? End of 2025? I don't know the deadline, but I know I'm taking advantage of it now. Okay. I thought, <laughs> I thought that, I thought it sunsetted out like the rest of the, like I, I know that the, my ability sunsets out in 2025 when this current tax plan or whatever sunsets out. But anyway, I just wanted to point out real quickly that I thought that was, that was an amazing piece of information to get right there. Because that's something that's not available with each of the strategies that we have here. So that was that was really that was cool. big. Thanks, so. Chris. Michael, you're up. Well, the reason I like syndications multifamily as an active investor, I'm talking about more of an active investor. It's been the only strategy discussed here that can be used to become financially free in as little as 12 months. That's why I do what I do. It's very simple. You can't become financially free with wholesaling or flipping unless you really build large companies which is hard for an average person to do. Turnkey is not bad, at least buy and hold, but it takes too long. And to me, it's too dependent on the manager and the market, as we saw in 2008. And I just don't like how it behaved in 2008. Now, Airbnb is better. I actually like Airbnb, but I think there's too much market risk right now. I have a a buddy of mine who has a portfolio of 50 short-term rentals, and he's basically selling like 40%, getting out of a market that's been oversaturated, had additional legislation kind of cracked down on, on short-term rentals. And he's kind of, he's sucking wind right now. And, and again, it's dependent on the, on the single family house market, which really did not behave very well in 2008. And that's why I like multifamily for those reasons. But most importantly, I like how it behaves in, in down markets. I like it, it produces cash flow and that it can be used as a vehicle to 
to put your job through the acquisition fees primarily, which we don't really talk about. Acquisition fees are paid to you at closing 3% of the purchase price. So for every million dollars you buy with other people's money, it's $30,000 in your pocket, which the wholesale and flipper might appreciate. And this is why so many people can quit their job on a single deal because a million dollar deal is very small in the syndication world where you're partnering and raising capital. And so this is why people can quit their job because they now have runway and they can focus on it full time and they can build something that builds generational wealth. All right. Thank you, Michael. So with that, guys, really appreciate this panel. A lot of very smart minds in this room. What I'm going to do, guys, I want to go one by one. And I want you to just tell the audience how they can reach out to you if they want to, to get some more information. So we're going to start with Chris. Chris, yeah, how can our, people reach you? Yeah, our website is reination.com. Ton of information there. Lots of different ways to be able to connect with us as a company. And and you can find me through the website. You can also, I know you just threw up my LinkedIn profile. I'm Chris, super simple. Chris at reination.com. Happy to connect with anyone. Appreciate the opportunity. This was this was really good tonight. Thank you. Awesome. Let's flip it over to Henry. Henry, how can people reach you? Yeah, man. Best place to reach me is on Instagram. I'm at the Henry Washington on Instagram, or you can check me out at my website, www.henrywashington.com. All right. Kyle. Yeah, up there on the screen at Fearless Kyle on Instagram. We have some fun on Instagram. Do some some skits, try to get some laughs too. And then on my website, fearlesscow.com. On the homepage of the website, we do have a free webinar on how to get your first Airbnb in the next 30 days without owning the property. And I know a lot of people have been asking about this STR loophole. I do have a great tax strategist that can actually advise you on this. So if any of you are wanting to take advantage of that, feel free to just reach out to me, info at fearlesskyle.com, and I can make an introduction, info at fearlesskyle.com. Thanks, Kyle. Hayato. What you got yeah, you me? guys can go to Rocket Offer without an E, so OFFR.com. And then I'm on Instagram at Hayanto, and you can go ahead and reach out to me. I just put content out on wholesaling and pretty much try to answer any questions people have about it. So that's what I do there. Great. So last but not least, and panel, thank you guys so much, everybody, for your contribution to this. I am going to turn this over to Michael to close us out. Yeah. So one of the things that came up before for is you got to educate yourself and we are in the education business and we invite you guys, if you're maybe confused or a little bit right now, that's, that's okay. There's a lot of strategies we talked about here today, but some of you on the call might actually be very interested in investing in apartment investing. And if, and if that's you right now and you want some clarity, we have something called a clarity session. That's at the michaelblank.com forward slash clarity and just schedule a call with one of our advisors to really kind of clarify what you're looking for, if it's financial freedom, it may be one of these other strategies and we'll send you to Chris and Kyle, right? And we'll send you maybe in a, diff in a different way. But if it's financial freedom and you got real estate on a brain, we believe we can make that happen for you. So head on over to themichaelblank.com forward slash clarity and just schedule a call in the next, the next few days. Hope you guys have a great rest of the day and we'll catch you guys next time. Thanks for listening. Take the next step toward financial freedom by checking out our Freedom Vault, where you can find free resources to help you with apartment building investing. Whether you're an active investor just starting out or looking to scale your syndication business or looking to invest passively, head over to themichaelblanc.com vault to gain access to our Freedom Vault.